From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, May 18th. When Governor Spencer Cox announced last week that masks can be optional during the last week of school, he couched it with some colorful phrases. Utah students, he said, would get to see their teachers' faces. So give kids an opportunity to see their teachers, to see their friends, to spend that last week together without masks, if they so choose. Cox called this decision a compromise. For months in the northern Utah area, parent groups have been protesting the K-12 mask mandate. The governor is now leaving it up to school districts to decide whether their students can go maskless for one week. We felt like this was a really solid compromise opportunity for kids to have that ability to go to school without masks. But again, leaving it up to the local districts to make that ultimate decision. This move by the Cox administration has left Grand County schools scrambling after an already challenging year. I feel like we were tackled on the one-yard line. Grand County Superintendent Taryn Kay. She says the governor's announcement took local schools and even the State Office of Education by surprise. Masks are proven to significantly reduce the risk of spreading COVID-19. The Pfizer vaccine is just now available for kids age 12 and up, but thousands of Utah schoolchildren are either still ineligible or yet to be vaccinated. Kay said simply she wishes the governor would have left the mask mandate alone. You know, I think it's unfortunate that he did this because had he not done this, uh, we'd have just finished the year and it, it wouldn't have increased any divisiveness in the community. And I feel like by taking the mantle of responsibility off his own shoulders, and putting it on the shoulders of local board members across the state, it only serves to further divide communities. Whatever he gained by removing it, communities lost. It's now up to the local Board of Education to make a decision about mask wearing during the last week of school in Grand County. So far, Kay says feedback from the community seems mixed, though she does plan to collate comments into a for and against spreadsheet. She also expects the board will take into consideration recommendation from health professionals. Grand County remains at a high level of COVID-19 transmission, the highest in the state. Currently, there are five active cases of COVID-19 among local students, one from the high school and four from the elementary school. Yeah, we'll definitely have the input of the boots on the ground in Moab, part of the health department, and and then also Brady, the regional director of the whole southeastern Utah health department. The governor's surprise announcement last week put one final twist on an already challenging school year, both politically and health and safety-wise. Back in September, before local schools reopened to in-person instruction, administrators created COVID safety plans with the Southeast Utah Health Department. Those plans included temporary closures in case of any large-scale spread of the virus. But that scenario hasn't played out. Grand County's schools have remained open, and many attribute it, in part, to wearing masks. I think that the district staff and students have done an amazing job at being as proactive as we possibly can to minimize the amount of COVID spread and infection. We've really done a fantastic job with that, and I, I couldn't be more proud of the teachers and the students and the administrators 
Pfizer vaccine clinics will be held this Wednesday, that's tomorrow, for anyone 12 years of age and up. You can find out more at seuhealth.com. And if you'd like to make a comment about masks in the last week of school, the Board of Education will make their decision next Wednesday, May 26th. Board member emails are in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. Last year, Colorado lawmakers pointed a finger at what they saw as a growing threat, speculative investments in water rights. Since then, a state work group has been examining the issue. The process has brought up some thorny questions about the entire system the western U.S. uses to divvy up scarce water supplies. Reporters Heather Sackett from Aspen Journalism and Luke Runyon from KUNC have more. Melting snow and flowing irrigation ditches means spring has finally arrived at the base of Grand Mesa in western Colorado. We're along the banks of the alfalfa ditch with the team behind Conscience Bay, a Colorado-based investment firm. So they can turn water back into the main stem of the creek here or they can let it, let it run on down this way. That's company president Eli Feldman. The water from this ditch is spread across an arid valley to grow hay and pasture for grazing cattle. This is Hart's Basin Ranch. The company owns it and a contractor runs it. And they own the rights to much of the water in this ditch, too. Conscience Bay bought the ranch in 2017, and its intentions have been under scrutiny ever since. From local officials and other ranchers. Anytime you come into a, a, a place that you're not from, people are curious at best and skeptical and concerned at worst. Feldman's company has been accused of speculation, of buying this ranch just for its senior water rights and hoarding them for profit, an accusation he says is false. Because just like every other major water user in the state, the water here is being put to use and not simply accruing value. We're growing grass and feeding it to cows and, uh, and trying to improve the ground, improve the soil health, and make a business out of it. But investments like these are being scrutinized by a state-sanctioned work group made up of some of the most prominent water thinkers in Colorado. State lawmakers have made the issue a top priority. They want to prevent out-of-state interests, motivated by increasingly dry conditions, from buying up water rights. Colorado State Engineer Kevin Ryan co-leads the group. I think it's a valid concern because they do see unusual parties, large parties that again, aren't the typical parties purchasing those water rights. So that's their concern. Like many Western states, Colorado considers the right to use water as private property that can be bought and sold and moved from farms to fast-growing cities. The state already has laws to make sure it's put to use right away. That means discussions about reining in speculation come down to intent. Do we want to protect against certain types of intent? And then how do we determine that. So is someone purchasing water rights to grow hay? Or are they hatching a nefarious plot to act as the middleman and sell the rights off to the big city nearby? There aren't speculation police roaming the state and breaking up these investments, right? That's Alex Funk with the Colorado Water Conservation Board. He's also a member of the work group. Funk says they've struggled to come up with answers to even some basic questions. Like, what is the definition of speculation? It's one thing to 
point at something and say, oh, that's probably being that's probably speculative and other to actually put the legal definition on it. Farmers and ranchers see both a threat and opportunity in the rise of the private water investor. On the one hand, they worry about their communities if all their neighbors sell. But when it's their turn to receive a check for their water rights, they don't want regulators to restrict who can purchase those rights, even a private investor. Carlisle Courier is a rancher in Molina, Colorado, and the president of the Colorado Farm Bureau. Because if if the government can tell them they can't buy a farm and and farm it, well, they can tell me that, too. (laughs) I don't want them telling me that, so... Back at Hart's Basin Ranch, investor Eli Feldman says he's not the enemy. His operation isn't the mom-and-pop homestead ranch of the Old West. It's the investor-owned, employee-operated, risk-taking ranch of the New West. Is, Is speculation just another word for investment? But it's got a negative connotation to it because it's somebody that's not from here? Okay, well, do you not want to have investment in rural Colorado? Is that what we're after? He sees all the anxiety about speculation as a reflection of something much deeper. Water supply throughout the West is shrinking, and deciding how best to deal with the growing shortages still comes with more questions than answers. I'm Luke Runyon. And I'm Heather Sackett. This story is part of ongoing coverage of water in the West, produced by KUNC and Aspen Journalism and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, May 18th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.